episode 50, Buzz. Episode 50. Happy 50th. Uh, happy, I was going to say anniversary. Happy 50th episode, Nathan. <laughs> yes, this episode yeah. will be titled number 50. That's right. Uh, of course, yeah, but- we've done many, many more than just 50, but officially yeah. episode 50. Laz, thank you for joining me. Thank you, listener, for joining us once more. Indeed. For another week's of football action on and off the pitch. Laz, it's been a fun week. Time to get the celebratory drinks out, Nathan. They said we'd never make it. And this episode may not have occurred (laughs) either. (laughs) There's been crowd trouble in the residence, the late kickoff. (laughs) Flares let out. Unconfirmed reports of a uh, bucket being thrown. That too. Uh, Unstable (laughs) connection of uh, internet provider. It's had it all. And we've only just kicked off, Nathan. (laughs) <laughs> the listeners only know uh, half of it. <laughs> that they do. I, I think you could put this down as a uh, peak, the back peak, huh? That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just the normal chaos and things that happen behind the scenes that, you know, nobody really knows about, but that's all good. Mm, and this will all get chopped out. And, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Let's wait and see. <laughs> We'll see what comes out. If there's any other, <laughs> if there's any other interruptions during the recording, well, goodness knows. <laughs> but uh, yes, happy fiftieth. And they said we'd never make it, Nathan. I don't know who they were, but and, never mind. You have to ask someone from Western Sydney who they are. Oh, jeez, ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch. I'll bring it up every week. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will to the end of this A League season. Anyway, <laughs> till the time the Wanderers win the toilet seat. There you go. Mm, well, it hasn't happened yet. Well, I think it could well happen this season, Nathan. Oh, really? You, you're still, you're still in that camp. Look, anyone can really win it after <laughs> after last weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, yeah, it, it's uh, and also after uh, what was witnessed earlier, which you uh, were telling us about, because that was crazy offline with the Melbourne yeah, victory, a, uh, a Melbourne derby of sorts. It is a Melbourne derby. It's not the Melbourne Derby. It's not the Melbourne Derby. No disrespect to our Western United friends, but yes, it's a Melbourne Derby. No, it's not. It's not even a Melbourne Derby because they're specifically not from Melbourne, aren't they? So it's a Victorian Derby. Tarnit is Melbourne still. Mm, Yes, the outskirts of Melbourne, metropolitan Melbourne. So why don't they call the club West Melbourne United? Ah, Let's just call it a Melbourne, a Melbourne Derby. But you're right. It's a bit like it's yeah. No, no, it's like Macarthur, I guess. Macarthur yeah. is a Sydney derby, but it's not the Sydney derby, is it? No, no, no. no. So it's not. It's not. But we did have a uh, late, late show from the victory tonight, and uh-huh. two very late goals from Damien De Silva, not Daniel. Sorry, Robbie Thompson. Um, but uh... he's a good caller, Robbie Thompson. Though I do enjoy his calls. Yeah, he's good. Have you listened to his podcast with Daniel McBroom? A couple of times. Mm-hmm. I yep. think I need to give it a bit more of a serious listen, though, to be yeah, fair. It's not bad. A bit of a match-by-match uh, match review. Because mm. yeah, we don't have enough of that in the Australian A-League discourse. We have a lot of off-field talk. Like us, we do a lot of off-field talk. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We talk about on-pitch stuff, too. But, uh, yeah, there's specifically a um, a match-by-match match review sort mm. of podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I like Robbie Thompson on the call. Mm. And a good one tonight. And in- a indeed. great moment for the victory. A win. After... A win, yeah, after how many weeks? A goal after how many weeks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in the uh, the post-match after the actual Melbourne Derby on Saturday night, then um, whether Tony Popovich was uh, getting his back up a little bit at the media. Yeah, it's a bit prickly, Popper. Yeah. I mean, it's that not really unlike him. some concerns tonight. It's not unlike him at times. He does get a bit defensive of his team. 
and players. Although, yeah, it was interesting when he quizzed, when he was quizzed on Arzani. I think that might just have been a opinion seeker. Not that Popovich wanted to seek opinions from the media. He was just curious as to what the position was of that media representative asking the question. Yeah, I think the response was uncalled for. Oh, look, I agree. I don't think it was necessary. Mm. What was he insinuating that Azani did too much in the first half and wasn't, you know, adhering to the strategy of the team? Was there an injury concern that we weren't aware of at the time? Like, what was the situation with regards to this substitution? And was he a bit dismissive of the journalist's question? He was. It was a sign of of being disrespectful. I think so, because the question was framed as such as Daniel Arzani was having a great game. Why'd you take him off? When the victory have struggled to score goals of late, you have a player there who was really trying getting a tune out of that defense that was in front of him. Yep. Why take him out of the out of the action when you've got other players in that attacking lineup that weren't getting as much joy and mm. maybe you would have been better off to sub one of them. But look, I'm not an A League manager, I'm not Tony Popovich, so maybe he knows That'd something be- about his players and his teams that uh, the public don't. No, but you're a football manager manager. <laughs> and that trumps everything. That's right. <laughs> Just ask Will Still. Yes. <laughs> um, but to respond to the journalist's question saying, well, like the question was, why'd you take him off? He was doing well. To sort of turn that question into was a, a suggestion that Daniel Azani yeah. was the only good player in the entire team is a bit weird. Yeah. He seemed like, reading between the lines, it seemed like he was very dismissive of the journalist saying, did you watch the game? You're looking at something completely different to what I'm looking for. Um, was he that good? What made him stay? Like, why was he that good compared to the others that weren't named or that the others that Popovich did name? Yeah, but he named a bunch of midfielders and defenders and that, that granted they had good games, but that wasn't the point of the question. It was about attacking impetus and, well, if you ask Paul Izzo, the lack of risk. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I like the way that you put that there, Nathan. But I mean, but I, look, I, I, he'll be smiling I, tonight. I don't think that he actually went into that. Uh, it was far as far as why are you singling. I saw that and thought, okay, Povich is saying why are you singling um, Arzani out as and not mentioning the others, right? Now I know that you know he was a defender in his day. Maybe he thinks the defenders and midfielders don't get enough credit, and it's all about the you know the boys up the front or the girls up the front doing the gl- the gl- you know the glamour job. Right, but so maybe there was an element of that. I'm not sure. Either way, it was a very, very bizarre scene. Right, but yes, you're right. The Melbourne victory eyes would be smiling tonight. Yes, and two goals from a defender with a good so result. There you go. <laughs> yeah, mind you, it was one nil up until the you know fifth minute of injury time. I'm tempted to say that they won't win it. I don't think they do. I'm I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to to put them in the conversation for a tall set winner. No, like I said, I, I have the wonders above them. Mm. But even just as an as an alternative option, like MacArthur could knock them off. I think Wellington could, Mariners could. Well, I wasn't going to even go Wellington and Mariners, and you know because they're the top two. Mm. But in Melbourne effect. victory, I don't think there's enough going forward for them. Bruno Fornaroli's having a great season, but he is the focal point, and there's not really a plan B in an attacking sense. Yeah, you're, you're right there. Two goals from a very unlikely source to pick up the three points tonight against a team who we're not Mm. expecting to be anywhere near the finals in a few months' time. Yes, that's true. So just to go over it quickly, Wellington Phoenix first, Central Coast 
are in second and they're in second purely on goals scored. Is that right? Uh, let me pull the ladder up. I think that's what I've got. Melbourne victory third on the same points, 31. MacArthur, 24, uh, MacArthur in fourth, Sydney in fifth, West Sydney Wanderers sixth. No, the Mariners, Mariners are in second. Yes. Because they've won two more games in the victory. Ah, two more games. That's right. Yes. Sorry. They go with yep. wins first. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For some well, reason. Either way, they're in second and deserve to be so because they've scored more goals. Although the goal difference is exactly the same between Wayne's to Phoenix Central Coast and Melbourne Victory. <laughs> um, but yes, of the those three, Phoenix and Mariners ahead, well ahead, I think, on the eye as compared to the Melbourne Victory. Yeah, I think so too. MacArthur, um, MacArthur are a shout, but I just don't know. I mean, Wanderers are in sixth. I just have a feeling about the Wanderers this season. I don't know if they they get in, then they might cause some damage. I reckon the Sydney Derby coming up in a couple of weeks is going to decide their season, the Wanderers. That's a fair shout. Because if they were to lose that, I can see them imploding. Then they could implode, yes. But if they win it, the opposite effect can happen. Mm-hmm. So it's rare that you see a, a regular season game have that sort of impact on a A-League season with the finals. But I think it really does have that sort of impact. But that's for a couple of weeks down the line, Lass. Yep, indeed, indeed, indeed. Shall we talk about some of the stories coming out of the A-Leagues this weekend? Sure, absolutely. Let's talk about one that came out late last week uh, that we forgot to cover off uh-huh. in the last Mainline pod. Uh-huh. And uh, you sent me a message about five minutes after we uh, oh, yes. the, uh, stop record button. <laughs> and, and I thought, dang it, I didn't say yep. that, but yes. Mm. Um, yeah, you said something a little bit more vulgar, but... Uh, Yes. Uh, This uh, open letter from APL Chair Stephen Conroy. Mm -hmm. Yes. At last, we have some uh, communique after a few weeks of um, silence and not through the lack of uh, media appearances because Stephen Conroy has been showing up in other platforms in other mediums talking about other topics. Um, He always does. At least, yes, he always does. As an ex politician, he's uh, very much uh, on call for those sorts of. broadcasts and platforms, but in terms of the A-League, we have this letter and essentially explaining where the A-League is at the moment, where the past three months and the financial situations have arisen from, and where we go to from here as a as a league, essentially is what we already knew to an extent. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a whole host of new information in this letter, but it's nice to hear something, I, I suppose. Yep. Yep. Look, can't disagree with you. It was good to actually hear something, right? Um, interesting things, and obviously the women's game is going to be the largest driver for growth here. You know, they've seen 120% growth on 10 play on the A-League women's, which is okay if you're coming off a low base. Nonetheless, even an impressive stat, right? Um, you know, with free-to-air A-League men's audiences up 9% to last season, again, coming off a low base, but year-on-year year, good growth, right? So I don't know. Having a read of it and, and look, summarising it, um, it's great to hear. doesn't give us enough substance. It, it is a very um, fluffy open letter, if I can put it that way, right? Um, ticks a box for communication. Other than that, nothing real substantial. Yes, a bit of a no-brainer in the way that ends. A number of fans have asked what they can do to help, and the answer is quite simple. Continue to support your club by getting out to the games and watching them on Network 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Great. Wonderful. Is Paramount Plus going to be showing the games next year? That's the question. And Network 10. And right? the uh, the rumours have uh, ramped up again today. Mm. 
about some doubts being cast over next season's broadcast for the A-League. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, there's a lot of factors at play here. I think one of the biggest ones is the issues that CBS is having in the States. And there's rumours over a complete sale of Channel 10 in Australia. Mm. So if that was to happen, then obviously all the rights uh, are up for grabs and Indeed. up in the air in terms of their long-term um, standing. Channel 10, I think I saw today, yesterday, relinquished coverage for the Melbourne Cup. Right. Yep. So I think that might be a little bit of a canary in the coal mine because obviously the Melbourne Cup, yes, it's a one-day event, but it's hugely popular and has a massive audience. And I don't, I don't know if it you know rates its socks off, though. Right. I mean, okay, A-League football doesn't. But I don't think yeah. that um, the Melbourne Cup Carnival is, you know, something that is a a big draw for them because what other horse racing does Channel Ten show? Wouldn't know. I'm not it's, into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, you know, probably I would dare say next to none. So it was normally know, on seven, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Or well, one, of, or one of the horse racing one of the, seven. One of the digital the digital channels. Mm. After that, I think. But yeah. Um, but you you were right with regards to the whispers and you know and the murmurings coming out of the US as far as CBS and and Paramount Plus is concerned and the impact that it's having here in Australia you know and, and the uh, and Network Ten look we just hope that the A League is on TV tomorrow, and next season as well it needs to be on TV hopefully this deal can be seen through to the end and then you know. I think the Alex would have been far better off spending their the money that they used on their digital platform into investing that into a streaming service. Yeah, or even just a broadcast package. Or yeah, or something can, of that nature. Yeah, you can lease that out to mm. some platforms. Correct. A la the Premier League. Yeah, something something mm. of that ilk would have been really really good. Could I really think. consolidate the mm. infrastructure and everything on there. Mm. Um. So, yes, at the risk of opening up the same dialogue we had a couple of weeks ago regarding potential new broadcasters, whether it is for next season, whether it is for the next broadcast rights deal, mm-hmm. because it seems unlikely that this is going to get renewed. Mm. I think we're due for a pretty big correction for the A-League markets and the A-League broadcasting. Yeah. And that's not good. That does not sound good. It does not sound good. Let's wait and see what happens. Mm. Because, hope, you know. It doesn't rate. People don't watch it on free-to-air. And I know football fans, we're, we're now accustomed to streaming services, be it Optus, be it be in sport, be it whatever. So there's going to be more people who watch the games on Paramount+. Plus. I'm talking about that 7.45 Saturday mm. night game. Mm. There's going to probably be as big audience on Paramount as there is on Channel 10, mm-hmm. purely through force of habit. Yep. Like for me, I when the time rolls around for the late Saturday game, I go straight to Paramount. I don't watch it on 10 Bold. Same. Yeah, so there is going to be a big audience there. We never get the numbers for streaming platforms, which I think does a lot of harm in terms of the, the narrative with the ratings. But also it doesn't get any hits in terms of media coverage either. It's like true. Vince Rigari has been talking a lot in the last month or so, saying that they used to do match reports and things like that for the A-League on, in the Herald, but no one was reading them, so I'd stop doing them. And that's the state of where it is at the moment. There isn't as many... People as we'd like who really many, engage with the A League alongside sure, just watching many, the games and communicating on social media. How many people are engaging with like with the newspapers? But I, I think in terms of not print media but digital print media, digital print media. Yeah, I think you compare it to other sports. You compare it to the Premier League. There's a, a big gap. Sure, 
sure. Yep. Yeah, I, I can see that point. I can see that point. There is no doubt that the game is on the nose here, unfortunately. The A-League, I should say, not so much as the national mm. teams, but the A-League is on the nose. The clubs, unfortunately, at this point, and maybe this, I'm hoping that this is just pain that the game needs to go through at the professional level in order for the direction to become clearer shortly thereafter. Uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that that's the case. Something good has got to come out of this experience of the game having gone, like the A-Leagues having gone back to the clubs to to manage, right? I'm hopeful that it's coming out now it, and that we're on that path because whether we like it or not, the A-Leagues is what we have at, as our tier, as our premium tier of football here in this country and it needs to be supported through all relevant stakeholders, clubs, Football Australia, Media partners, supporters, you know, so players. State feds, lads, state feds is a big one. Players, yeah, and well, that is a big one too, Nathan, right? That is, you're right, that is a big, big one as well. We'll get onto the state feds in a minute because that's a different element to it. The, and the initiatives tried, unfortunately, at this point have failed. And I refer to the grand final in Sydney, Unite Round. Wasn't a fail. It was just a pass because it was conceptually it was a good idea, but the execution of it was poor, right? Because you're diluting mm-hmm. diluting people from going rather than actually trying to get them to increase the crowds and increase the involvement and increase the atmosphere around those games. So that being said, um, you know, and the keep up thing, which I think, as noble as an effort it was, one I don't think the name was really appealing. Two, um, the content wasn't the content didn't hit the mark. If I can put it that way, right? It actually didn't draw you back to keep going. You know, to draw you to keep going back to it. The only thing that really ticked a positive box for me, aside from the league itself, as far as the football being played and the entertainment that it provides, as a purely objective watcher of it, right? Without a Sydney FC hat on or Macarthur FC hat on or whatever the case is is the um, access all areas or the A-League access or uh, A-League all access, right? Access all areas. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. But uh, nonetheless, that is really good, compelling watching. Even then, last season, it was amazing. We got yeah, short films every week. Correct. This season, this season it's been five to ten minutes. And patchy. You, you don't get as much depth at all. No, it's and, patchy. Yeah, and... Part of it is obviously going to be costs. Costs. And at the end of the day, it all comes back to money. I wonder if the clubs actually just should uh, do it themselves and then forward it into headquarters that way. I prefer it if it was with the the sense of it being like independent coming sure. in to film. Yeah. Yep, yep. It, I know it's still basically the same thing, but like, they're not going to put anything out that's too damning like Sunland Till I Die. But <laughs> that's, I mean, the, that's the best. Oh, nothing will ever beat that. And and the fact that there's another <laughs> season of it coming out, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> cannot wait. Maybe we'll come onto it later. Probably not. But Sunderland sacked Michael Bill today. I mean, did they really? I missed that. Okay, yeah, now we'll come 12, on to it later. after twelve games. They've sacked him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, that would make for great viewing if uh, mm-hmm. they're filming this season Netflix. But getting yep. back to it. Um, I think, yes, there's so much missing in this A-League media landscape oh. and just the ways for people to connect with the game and the people who are in the game, be it players, be it managers, be it administrators. 
not that they should be the star of the show, but I mean, there's just a lack of avenues. I feel sorry for journalists trying to cover the game. There's it's not many left. It's there's hardly anyone left. I mean, it's basically Vince Rigari and Joey Lynch in, in terms of the men's game. Yeah, mainstream. Yeah, effectively. Mm. Um, you know, you got Samantha Lewis doing the ABC mm-hmm. uh, for the women's game, but nonetheless, yeah, it's few and far between at the moment. It really is a um, sad state of affairs with regards to the media landscape and the coverage that the game's getting. Yeah, and the point is, like, media companies aren't going to sanction having a, a specific football journalist when the readership's not there, the viewership's not there. Mm. So it is a bit of chicken and the egg, as it always is. Would you get more media viewership if you provide the service first, or do you have to wait for a demand to provide it? Or do you have to to uh, satisfy the demand or try and generate that demand yourself? I think asking third-party for-profit companies to try and generate some interest in the A-League out of the good of their hearts, Like I, I think you've got a, a long way to go. Makes sense there, Nathan. What, you, what, what you've said there makes sense. Is I can't disagree with you as much as I'd love to disagree with you and defend the game. Go, hey, but you're wrong, and this is the reason why. <laughs> God, I'd love nothing more to say, that, say than that because there are good people in the in the game of football and there are good uh, mouthpieces for it, not necessarily propagandists, right, but people that actually care about the game, that like to talk about the game, that like to communicate about the game and, and convey what actually occurred in and around and during the game. And those people are becoming few and far between right now. And the there are podcasts available to our listeners and, you know, plenty. there are a few really good Australian football podcasts. We mentioned one already on, on this yeah, podcast. We did. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it, you know, the fact is, is that the landscape is not looking great from a coverage perspective. And in order to do better, we need, you know, people need to be able to tell their stories. And if no one's actually going to ask the questions about telling the stories, how do the stories get out? Yeah, exactly. And look, it's great that there is fans, supporters doing podcasts, doing media, but it shouldn't be on football journalism to be a passion project. Seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. It seems yeah, like that's, that's what, what it has are. to be. Yeah. <laughs> right now, effectively, that's what yeah. we are. Right? Yeah. And um, the problem yeah. is, like, of, of course, like passion projects and doing things for fun don't pay the bills. No. As great as as rewarding as this is intrinsically, <laughs> as much as I enjoy spending, <laughs> you know, um, spending the time with yourself and, you know, the listeners listening, it, yeah, it doesn't pay the bills. Right. Um, it'd be great to be able to be in a position to put out content all the time, but know that you're actually going to get paid for it and say, listen, hey, let's invest. We'll get video and we'll do videos and then we'll go to games and do all that kind of stuff, right? But, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, you need resources to be able to do that. If you're going to, you know, and the environment needs to be there to kind of foster that that engagement. And I'll just uh, and it's unfortunately it's not there right now. You've even got podcasts on NPL like we was, you know, Friend of the pod, Nick DeBarno, shout out to Nick, and hopefully we on soon, right? Doing a podcast on NPL Victoria mm. with Lockie Flanagan. I mean, it's, you know, after the name of the pod escapes me right now because I know it's just kicked off now with the new NPL season, and hopefully we can get Nick on in a couple of weeks. But sure, Lockie on too. Yeah, and that's right. And I think we're looking at um, a shout out to Joe Russo. Hopefully we can get Joe on to talk MPL New South Wales soon, right? Which has just kicked off. And mm. there's Antonis Bagonis who does, you know, 
South Australia in Peel, right? They're kicking off this weekend. So there are people there that are covering the game, you know, telling the stories. But And it's just not easy in this current environment. Um, one, because there's an inherent dislike of the game for by the major commercial media outlets, mainstream media, and there is, and we can't deny that. They're, hap- they're happy to farm the game off onto their subscription TV platforms like Stan, for instance, right, which is affiliated with Channel 9. So Channel 9, you're not going to see have uh, football on unless it's a World Cup in our time zone because they've never played a World Cup since <laughs> on Channel 9. Yeah. They only had the <laughs> Korea-Japan 2002 World Cup. That was it. Mm. But even so, like, I remember this is going back probably almost a decade ago, and the line out of Channel 9 was regarding football. If it's green and gold, they're happy to bring it on board. Mm. They want it. But if it's not green and gold, they're not interested. Mm. And it is that domestic power, I think. Mm. It's, look, it's it's a topic that we've talked about so many times mm. on this podcast, Laz, that football has potential to be as big, if not bigger, than NRL AFL. I don't know if it'll ever be that big as far as the actual I, A-League itself. The sport itself it is that big. Be. No, the yeah. sport itself is bigger than those two. Mm. The issue that we have, and you mentioned the federations, is that we're a fractured game. Yeah. And it's the fractures are still there for people to see. And You don't have to look too far either. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, as good as and as exciting as having an NSD is – I think it actually goes to highlight even more fractures within the game. Yeah, because you're going to have the APL running the top flight, Football Australia running a second tier, and then the state feds below that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's going to be three separate bodies running three separate leagues. And look, there's a bit level of complexity with the fact that, the, you know, around the logistics of getting around our country. Or a vast Which cut. doesn't help. <laughs> no, it doesn't, right? It's a hindrance, you know, and that's why maybe regionalised things and that's why the federations do have a important part to play as far as that's concerned. But yeah, there's got to be, there's got to be a way to really unite the stakeholders in, uh, of the game for the good of the game. I mean, we just haven't seen enough of that yet. The time to change tack, Nathan, to the A-League women's or something even more positive regarding the A-Leagues in general. Yes, we, uh, we're done death riding the league for now. I'm sure we'll be back on that topic before too long. Everybody get your finger out. Move forward for the good of the game, for goodness sake. Stephen Condor, get, stop going on the bloody Sky News. Come on here and mm. talk to us about it. <laughs> Talking about China. That's right. Let's go. Mm. Um, but, Laz, I think the biggest positive news surrounding Australian football this week is over in the West. Yes, I agree. Great Ross Belligera finally being announced as a new owner of Perth Glory. And... They had a great game and a great atmosphere on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the loudest I've heard the shed for some time. Good to see, wasn't it? Absolutely fantastic. And a really good game of football too. Really entertaining. And to back it up, uh, Ross Pelligra went to the media mm-hmm. and said that uh, for this weekend's game on Saturday night against uh, the Phoenix, yes. which I'm pretty sure is the last distance derby as we know it, the last ever, mm. because there'll be a new distance derby next season. Is Auckland further than Wellington from Perth? Is just, it? yeah. Is it just? Oh, it really? Is. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay, there you go. Um, but the first 3,000 under-16s will go in free. How good's that? Fantastic. How good's that? No, I agree. And that's something that I'd like to see from many more clubs in this in this competition. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Here, here. would love to see um, that. But it looks like there's more government funding secured for laying down routes, be it a, a training centre, uh, just a hub for the mm-hmm. club. 
mm-hmm. a club hub there, if you will. Um, <laughs> and all in all, like of course, we're in the honeymoon period at the moment, but it's looking good so far. Yeah, look, everything coming out of the West sounds positive at the moment, doesn't it? And, I have real concerns if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. But mm. given since the um, since the Belligerent Group is uh, taking it over, which is really good to see. So, and you've got some smart operators in there. You know, the, it's not their only foray into football. Truth be told, Nathan, much to the chagrin of your normal, you know, multi-club ownership model. But mm. I don't, I don't have a problem with this one. I think this is a really good one. No, I mean, Perth aren't going to go and play Serie B, are they? No, no. Oh, Serie C. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Catania got to get up to Serie B first. That's right. Um, they will eventually. Hopefully, hopefully. Mm. Uh, but it's not looking like it this season. No. Uh, but look, Catania was a big club, massive club. So you would think there's enough there to be able to rise up the divisions. But Correct. look, I can talk negatively about multi-club ownership as much as I want. At the end of the day, pretty much... Every club that is worth noting about has some connection to one whatsoever uh, in some capacity. Mm. So have to deal with it. And it's very hard to find an owner who's willing to put that much money into one club as well as a passion project. Correct. It's the second time that phrase has come out. Very true. Very so, true. Look, we have to take the good with the bad. And Ross Peligra, very happy to come on board. And everyone should be very happy to see uh, new money coming into the A-League. Indeed. And hopefully... Uh, Robbie Stanton was talking today or yesterday about the uh, Newcastle sale, saying it's not far away. Hopefully, we're uh, on the verge of an announcement for that mm. one. Yeah. And there's some talk that uh, actually I saw another rumor that the Canberra owner has been finalized and they've got some links to some uh, Middle Eastern money, not Saudi, though. Okay. Uh, where is this coming from, Nathan? Because I, I know that it's just, I saw something that an, an announcement was imminent with regards to Canberra. Mm. Uh, 24 hours ago, as we record on a Tuesday night, but I'm unaware of a further development as to the the identification of where this money is coming from. Yeah, no, nothing concrete, and oh, okay. no real right. details. Right, but uh, I'm just seen it kicking around. But um, yes, there is uh, some links to that part of the world, and we know how uh, flush with cash a lot of those countries are. Right, indeed, indeed. Maybe uh, someone with deep pockets is uh, getting involved. That'd be nice. Would be. Would be very nice. Mm. Would be very nice. Okay. So, shall we discuss the A-League women's? I've got one more for you, Laz, Yo, before we do. Okay. <laughs> uh, early this week, Auckland, they say that they're announcing their colours and their name next month. They've yes. already signed seven players or are looking at seven players, very close to signing deals and names and that have not been announced. Mm-hmm. But I could hazard a guess at a, a Marco Rojas and a Tommy Smith and... Maybe a Costa Barbarouzas? No. Nope. Nope. Unlikely. Mm. He's a Wellington but, boy. Yeah. He's born, he, next well, yeah, but he's born in Bred Wellington. Mm. It's home. But it's good to know that that's all happening in the background because we hadn't heard anything regarding a player signing. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised. I mean, look, I know he's had got links there with Bimby as well, right? but yeah, I just don't know. That would be the only thing that I could think of because um, – yeah, uh, Costa is a Wellington boy. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. But watch the space. Watch the space. But that's good. That's good that um, that Auckland are going to release their colours. Probably going to be blue, red, and green, and white, I'm guessing. But anyway. Yeah, as long as they're not called the Black Knights, please. Well, as long as they're not called the Warriors, but anyway. 
I'm <laughs> black. Yeah. Why why is it military related? Like warriors and knights and no, nah, pass. Pass. Should be like the New Zealand sales or Auckland sales or something like that. Auckland sales. <laughs> I'm happy with Auckland Athletic. I called that name Yeah. out ages ago. I thought, you know what? That'd be all right. That's But not bad. That's it's a, not it's bad. a you know, I mean, yes, okay, it's a bit of a nod to England and what have you because of Mm. the, you know, but a bit of alliteration, you know. Yeah. The AAs, how, how, how bad can that be? Yep. <laughs> uh, yes. And Yes. uh, as long as it's not United as well, pass on that. No, that's right. Because we've already got two. Don't need a third. Correct, correct. But lads, you want to talk out of the women? Well, I do. Well, the Melbourne victory put pay to the Wanderers so far. Very much so. 4 0 with two doubles there for Feynman and uh, Gilnick. Great goal from Gilnick. She's been on fire. She's been on fire, and I can't. And part of me is surprised, but she didn't actually get a call up to the Matildas Mm. because I think that would have been a great shout. And she hasn't been out of the system for that long either. No, I'm sure she would have been on the short list. I found it, uh, that's one thing that we didn't mention last week. I found it surprising that she was actually left off. Uh, look, and full credit to Heyman and um, Harding, yeah. and Harding as well. But but yeah, I, I was surprised that Gilnick actually didn't get a call up. Because she scored some absolute cracking goals this season. So, yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. But uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of a uh, a continuation of what we have the last couple of weeks in terms of the dub. That uh, Melbourne Victory are coming very good. Western United are coming very good. Uh, a fantastic three-nil win for them. And a keen amongst the goals again. Mm -hmm. I think there is a quote-unquote big four Mm -hmm. in Oh, early yes. women. Oh, Yes. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. But that's been the case For a while now, yeah. for a while. I don't think we're getting anything different this season. Yeah, I, I think that since and, – and Western United, since they've actually come in with the way that they've done it, they immediately entrenched themselves into the four, Yeah, you know, and and – They've got Canberra next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend. Mm. So we're expecting another win for them and the potential to go uh, four points clear at the top. Yeah, yep. That'll Yeah, take some catching. I think you're right there. I think you're right there. It's oh geez, I, I think they're you know I think they're favourites again to take it out. You know, based on what I've seen. Hard to go past them. You know, It's just a question of come finals time, can Sydney, can the victory catch them on a bad day? Well, we're, I think we're getting into that territory now. Sydney looks like Sydney is a younger team than what they were last year, right? And that's why they're and for them to be in the top four is. Great effort again by everyone involved, right? Um, and look, they're looking good. Sydney are looking good. They could well end up, you know, being a West United Sydney final again, right? And I'll tell you what, the winner of that will well and truly will deserve the uh, deserve the era uh, their title. I don't know if Melbourne City are going to look there. Obviously, in second at the moment, I just don't know if they're going to finish, you know, in the grand final. No, I'm still looking at the victory, I think. I'm looking at either Sydney or the victory. Yeah. With the Western United To take on on West the other side. United, yeah. Mm. Mm. And depending on how the draw goes for the knockouts, maybe we see something like that in a uh, in a semi-final. But look, I think I would be surprised if West United are there on the grand final day. And Correct. I would sort of be guessing at Melbourne victory on the other side of that, where we sit at the moment. You look at the teams outside that top four, the Mariners look all right, all right, but 
I don't think they're on that sort of level. Perth are dropping like a stone. Yeah. And below that, you're really looking for a massive late run from the Jets or the Wanderers. Yeah, I think the top four set. Mm. Yep. I don't see the Jets, uh, Wanderers or the Mariners uh, breaking in. No, and definitely not Perth. So, no, no. But uh, it's been an interesting league this season. It's been really good to see. Mm. Yeah, it has. And a uh, hat-trick for Serena Bolden on the weekend. Yes. Great goals too. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were. I saw some uh, people being uh, very clever on Twitter, mm. uh, putting out fake outrage. Why didn't Tony G call up Serena Bolden? Is he stupid? <laughs> oh, dear. In soccer, Twitter. <laughs> S-O-K-K-A-H. That's the one. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yes. There you go. We all know she's uh, committed for the Philippines, unfortunately. Indeed. Well, mostly she, I, I, she probably would start this weekend. Oh, yeah. If she well, we should talk about, we should, we should talk about that. I, I yes. mean, that's something, now that you've mentioned it, that's something that I, I was going to mention as something to look forward to this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm excited about this game. I actually think that um, that the Matildas will get away with a win there, but Australia should qualify for the Olympics. There's no, there should be no qualms about that, all right? I think what will set a good mark is obviously if they get a 2-0 win out of there. They get a 2-0 yeah. win out of there, I'll say job done. 1-0, eh, all right, satisfactory. 2-0 would be ideal. Anything above two, happy days. Yeah, very much so. Look, I think- And, and that's not arrogance, eh? it's just- No, I think from where I sit, I, I just, I'm, I'm just, the only thing I'm hoping for is they win the tie. Like, yeah, sure. I'm not exactly out here saying if they don't win in Uzbekistan, then it's a disaster. But come away with a, a nil-nil or one-one, bring them back to Melbourne. They'll win in Melbourne, and not a problem there. Do you think nil-nil is a good result? I don't think it's a bad result. If they play support players, no problem. Mm. Like Charlie Grant, I mean, she's a support player, but she, she's doing quite well at Spurs. Right? Yeah, but um, you know, that the, the second, you know. The second eleven behind it because we've discussed this before. We don't need to play all of the second eleven, but at least you know four blood four or play four, right? At, at in, in this trip, give them the opportunity. It's you know, let's wait and see exactly how all that plays out. Yeah, I think so. Laz, what would be your eleven? Say, Oof. come back to Melbourne. Say the tie is still not decided completely, meaning the Matildas haven't won five nil in Uzbekistan. What sort of team are you lining up with as your number one team for a massively important vital game? Are we talking about lining up here in Melbourne or yes. lining up? Talking about the second now. league because I, I I think the second league in Melbourne would be the uh, where you play. If you're going to play a weaker team, you do it in the first league. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is your Matilda's best eleven right now for this hmm. international break? Because okay. I think there's a couple of players that I've got question marks over. Sure. Are we going with Mackenzie Arnold in goal? Yes. Okay. Um, for this game, I would like to see Charlie Grant on the right. Are you dropping Carpenter altogether? Yeah, just just for this for this game on Saturday. Right. Okay. Right. I'll play Ellie Carpenter at home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you got to go Kennedy. Got to go Kennedy and Hunt. Yeah, Blair Hunt's doing pretty well at Paris. Yep. Got to go Kennedy and Hunt. Hatley on the left. Yep. Right. I think the back four should be the back four from the World Cup. Yeah. Carpenter, Grant, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking yeah. I, I would like to, you know, see 
I'd like to see Grant rewarded for her performances at Tottenham right now. Mm. Right? Could you push one of them up into right midfield? Well, if I, you push anyone up right in, into midfield, depending. I mean, if you're going to play this for 5-1 effectively, mm. but it's say 4-2-3-1. Yeah, 4-4-2. Right? Yeah, or, yeah. Well, this, they won't yeah. be playing a 4-4-2. No. Right? Should they be playing a 4-4-2? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, right? But uh, I don't think Tony G's played a – well, I think he's only played a 4-4-2 like once or twice at best. Mm, yeah. Right? So – I mean, it's going to be 4-2-3-1. Yeah, right? Yeah. So ba- on that basis, then you can't play one of them as a right midfielder. Although I think that's where Carbons is eventually going to go, you know? Mm, I'm kind of leaning that way, to be honest. Instead of Brasso on the right. Yeah. Brasso's playing all right in Madrid. Off the bench, like she's getting 15, 20 minutes a week. Yeah, I don't know. I think she's doing okay when she does. She contributes. Yeah. Right. Um, by, you know, and from all accounts. It's game time, though. That, that's my question, Mark. And yeah. Yeah, sure. I've got it over Brazzo. I've also got it over Mary Fowler. Got to play Fowler. Got to play I mean, got to got she, a player. Have to she's play. She's not her. playing for City. She's, get, she's getting less than 15, 20 minutes a week. Yeah, but you got to play her. She's quality. Absolute quality player and quality, quality will always come through. I reckon you pick players on form. Okay, so tell me your lineup and then we'll get to mine because I'm curious as to where you want to go with that. You're saying the back four, we agree in yep. principle, right? And the keeper, great. Yes, no I questions think, there. Okay, I think it'll be Rasso on the right. I think you will play Rasso on the right. I think it'll be Ford on the left. Yes, it will be Forty on the left. Okay, I think it'll, it'll be, be Puny Cross th- and Gory in midfield. Yes, then May, I can see an argument for dropping Razo for Carpenter or not going to happen. Harley Grant, maybe it'd be nice. It'd be nice, but it's not going to happen. Mm. Corny Vine is being left out of the squad or not left out of the squad. She's withdrawn from the squad, right? And hmm. two spots left in this eleven. Two spots left in this eleven. So you got the striker will be Fowler. So then you got one left. If I was Tony G, I'd be leaving Fowler out of the eleven. Really? Who would you be playing yes. up front? I'd be putting Heyman up there. Oh. Because this is a crunch set of games. I am inclined to pick players who are on form. And there's no Matilda not so fair, not so fair in the squad who's in better form than Michelle Heyman. Not Sophia Harding. No. Interesting. And I'll put Legazo behind Heyman. I agree with you. I would like to see Legazo instead of Van Egmond. Nothing against Van Egmond at all. I just think that she's had a great season with Western United. Right, it's a great story. Yeah. And with everything surrounding the World Cup, it would be a great story as well from that angle. And I'll tell you what, I'm surprised. Look, I'm surprised that Chiz was left out. In fact, you know, you can't have game breakers like that not play, even off the bench, like Tony Tony G's token 15 minutes. Let's give out <laughs> Chiz 15 minutes, right? Well, no. that's the token 15 minutes that Mary Fowler's been getting at City and Raza's been getting at Madrid. Yeah. Yeah, look... I'll take your point and, about I'll take your point about about Fowler, right? I'll take your point. And look, Mary Fowler's behind Bunny Chaw. And I was just gonna say, look at who she's training with. Yeah. But look training's not playing. Tra- no, but look at who she's training with. And and that's why with Rasso and um and Fowler, I think you've got to play them. They're steps up, they're playing steps up from the A League women's and no disrespect to the A League women's at all, right? But Fowler training at Man- Manchester City as versus as compared to Heyman bagging goals here, 
in the A-League women's. Mind you, the Heyman story is a really good one because Canberra United are dead last. Yep. I can't depend. Right? And that's what their issue is. It's not going forward. Right? Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for Heyman to be in that position and stand out and actually be leading goal scorer of the competition and all that kind of stuff, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Right? Um, but I'm not sure. But also, I'm not sure I don't – I'm also thinking whoever you're not going to start, who's going to provide the biggest impact with 10, 15 minutes to go? Tell me this. Would you play – hang on one second. Would you play Fowler behind Heyman? I can see that. As a 10. And I think that also works for the Matildas. I actually like the look of the sound of that when I just thought about it now. I actually like that because, look, I'd love to see Legazzo play in that role, mm. right? But I think she'd be good as an impact player off if that's the case too, right? Yeah. Um, you could be right, Nathan. You you know what? You could be right. You you could be right in the sense that away, keep it tight. Shouldn't have to keep it tight, but there should be enough skill in that park to be able to take care of Uzbekistan. There should be, but you've also got to give the respect because you don't want to come back with a defeat. No, that's right. So do you play? Because you'll know that the A-League women's players will definitely bust their guts trying to get it done. Mm. Right? I just think that quality sometimes, when you combine that with effort, will get you a better output. And you've got quality in Fowler, quality in Rasso, quality in, you know, uh, in a few others as well. So that's why I think Fowler and Rasso will start. Although I think it's a great – I think Fowler playing as a 10, I think is a great – she's got the skill. She, she comes from deep. You know, she can dribble on the run. You know, I, I think that's her best position coming through the middle. What was it, the – Assists for the penalty against Ireland in the first game of the World Cup. Mm. He's playing mm. with Jules at number 10. Yeah, correct, correct. So it's not something that we haven't seen. No, I think that's her best position, to be honest, in this Australian yeah. setup as it is currently. And with City, they don't play with a 10, which probably does more harm than good for, for Mary Fowler's sake. I think so. Mm. Like, I can see that why you could put her on a wing if you wanted to, but geez, man, play the, play the girl in yeah. the middle of the park. And just have a run at the central, at the centre half. My lord, mm, yeah. Don't know which way they'd be turning half the time. <laughs> Very much so. But we'll see what Tony G does. Does he go with reputation? Does he go with form? We'll find out. I can see him playing Van Egmond in the ten for that reason of keeping it tight. For sure. As essentially going a four-five-one rather than a four-two-three-one of sorts. Yeah. I can also see that argument if we go down that route. But I agree with you. No matter who takes the field, we're expecting a Matilda's victory over two legs. If it's not, then there's massive questions to be asked and we'll be looking for a new national team manager. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Mm, might be looking for one anyway. Well, after the Olympics anyway. Yeah, but they should be looking now. Although Sweden, I think, the Sweden bash, I've heard that the Sweden national men's job is um, has been taken up. Mm. So there you go. So uh, that avenue is uh, potentially off the table. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mm. like if post um, Tony G, I don't understand why we don't go for Julelis, even just to the next World Cup. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. It was a great shout that you had, what was it, two weeks ago? Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So oh, we do come up with them occasionally. Yeah, every now and then. <laughs> Where should we go to, Nathan? Laz, I think we can head across seas. We've uh, spent a lot of time talking about A League men, A League women, Matildas. But uh, we can uh, head off. Yeah, there isn't much to report, really, from overseas, aside from the fact that your filthy mob decided to, you know, really stick their 
and those is in uh, Newcastle United business where where it wasn't welcome. And uh, Dan Ashworth <laughs> has now been granted gardening leave. Yeah, what what was the line you said that um, Newcastle United uh, they won't want to lose someone that they, 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 no. they will something like that. No, no, if they could hang on to him, they would. They would have. Mm, they'll put their foot down. Yeah, mm. yeah, they try to. Mm. That's right. All jokes aside, though, like we said last week as well, the lure of the, new, the Manchester United job is significant, right? And, couldn't, and couldn't be dismissed, right? The fact that uh, Man U want to get him on board earlier than giving the 12 month gardening leave is, hey. uh, you know, goes to show how good he is. And that's why, um, you know, reluctantly, the guys said, hey, I'd like to leave if I can. And Newcastle United will make sure that Manchester United pay. Yeah, and up to $20 million. Newcastle won $20 million is the, the word. Which but has only ever been done for a manager before. It has, yeah. Not um, a sporting director. Jonathan Liu from The Guardian put out a, an interesting piece uh, today, yesterday, that uh, is a, a funny irony about this whole thing, that Manchester United are looking to move away from celebrity player signings and go down the Brighton route of or, or more smarter recruitment. And in order to do that, they're going down celebrity administrative signings. <laughs> He's the best in class. Yeah, he is. I don't – yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it performs at Manchester United. Um, I just hope that it – you know, like I said, I thought that the Newcastle United project was going along okay, but it's far from over. And that's why I thought, you know, hey, you know, they'd want to have that kind of continuity there. But different strokes for different folks. Indeed, 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 Laz. But Dan Ashworth was on gardening leave heading to Newcastle, and now oh. he's going to be back on gardening leave for another year. Tell you what, his garden must be looking pretty good. Want to. Spends yeah. enough time in it, doesn't he? we got hey, a question, Bart. Good luck to him. Yeah, good luck indeed. Not, not um, too much. <laughs> Les, if you were a gardener and you, you were told to go on gardening leave, does that still apply? Like, you know, the whole point is you're not supposed to work. Gardeners are probably – it's like every trade, right? They, they always fix their own re- – Domiciles last. It's like a plumber, right? Yep. The plumber, the plumber always fixes his thing last. Yep. Right. He's out. He's out doing everybody else's plumbing first, because that's where he gets paid. Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, but yeah, I, I wonder what does a gardener do when they go on gardening leave? Topsoil. Mm. Laz, other news this past week. Topsoil and fertilise, Nathan. If you must know. Mm, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> not, not that I'm a green thumb at all. Mm. Uh, no, uh, me neither. Me neither. A big story, Laz. Finally, confirmation. Been talked about for years. Yeah, Kylian Mbappe leaving PSG at long last. Well, yeah, he hasn't said where he's going, though. There's only one place he's going, surely. Surely. Mate, we've seen this thing before. We right? have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I won't believe it until he's, you know, at doing, this, doing the medical at the Sanitas Clinic. Even then, <laughs> players are oh, no, 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 no. Hey, we know that that clinic is inside in Real Madrid <laughs> in Valdebebas, so that's it. Mm. The, well, where the else re- could he even go? The really tacky uh, Sanitas uh, clinic, yeah, the blue media wall behind the uh, <laughs> the equipment, you know, thumbs up. Yep. It's a Real Madrid thing. <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> where would it, Where else would he go? Nowhere. Where else can he even go? Couldn't go anywhere aside from the Premier League. Even in the Premier League, who can afford him? Mm, that's the point. Somebody could. Chelsea. City could. Chelsea probably could, yep. They'll amortise him over 50 years. That's right. Newcastle United could, but they won't. 
No, not with FFP, they can't. Well, that's what I'm saying with FFP. Yeah. Like, I think there needs to be like a two or three year grace once ownership has taken over, like, you know, it's changed hands because the regime, the, re, the regime change within organisations shouldn't have to be adherent to FFP ratios from previous ownerships because a new ownership will bring different, like more capital into those clubs, right? In whichever way they manage to have that capital raised or, mm. you know, whatever it is that they have. So I think invest, I think new owners should be allowed to, for at least a couple of seasons, go right, put a cap on their spending, sure, but like the FFP ratios, right, should, there should be flexibility around that. Well, it goes off a three-year rolling period, so. Well, then make it a three-year moratorium. Yeah. Yeah. Like make it a three year That seems say, hey, to make a lot of sense. You've owned the three, you know, you've come into this ownership model for three, you know, for the next three years, you know, within, you know, like, and I don't know what kind of cap you'd put on it, but you go, okay, so you're allowed to spend 105% of your revenue or whatever the case is, mm. right? Well, you've got no revenue to start off with. Yeah, exactly. When you've just taken it over. So why don't you go, okay, well, maybe make it a sliding scale. Okay, yeah, well, but- I think it gives new owners three years to try and actually go, right, we're going to build this squad and try and implement what we are going to do. It took Manchester City how long to actually get their club right and actually challenge for a title. Yeah, and they cooked the books allegedly. Well, yeah. So <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. So, you know, like Chelsea's approach is quite novel to this, even though they copped a lot of stick. But, you know, what Todd Bowley and... And Al have been there for nigh on two years now, yep. close enough, right? So, you know, they would have had one more year under my prima facie kind of approach to it and go, mm. okay, well, okay, sort yourselves out, right? But, yeah, I think that new owners of, in, in, of clubs should have a three-year grace period. I actually agree with you on this, Laz. You might be surprised. I am pleasantly surprised, Nathan. Because FFP is designed to keep the big clubs as big clubs. Correct. I, I I don't like FFP for that reason. Yeah, that that's may have not been its intention, but no, that's what's wasn't. come out of it, and that was that's what in turn has resulted that or, or, small clubs stay small clubs and the big clubs stay big clubs. Or was it intended for that, Nathan? Oh, you're the one getting the conspiracies out now. I am bringing out my tinfoil hat, and let's just go with it. Because you know what, I think I think it is intended for that. You're one step away from saying there's a stigma against your football club. There is. There's a stigma against all my football clubs. <laughs> I'm a multi-club supporter, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's fair comment that new owners are punished by the books of the old owner. Hmm. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Doesn't. Doesn't at all. I, and- would, I would actually say that a salary cap and a draft actually has more value in as far as trying to bring a competition closer together versus FFP. I'm in two minds about a salary cap. I fundamentally don't like it because I don't like limiting people's opportunity to earn something. Yes, the top players will always be paid top, but why restrict that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, but the Americans have salary caps and drafts, and it does seem to work as far as competitiveness is concerned. It does, but because you wonder it, how much more money the athletes would make in the states if there wasn't a cap. Sure, but it, it, but then see what it does come down to is recruitment, retaining, 
right? Regeneration, all those aspects which are more in the vein of sport as opposed to just, hey, we're going to just pay you, you know, the highest amount, mm. you know. So there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's merits in those cases as far as drafts and and uh, salary caps are concerned. Yeah, I, I see the merit in it. I think there is also significant drawbacks on adding those sorts of things to football. Like, how do you do a draft in a European system, in an English system, where you have promotion oh, relegation, you have it would European have to, competitors? It would have to be along national, like it would have to be like in the lines of if you happen to be in that league, right? Still then, allow transfers, but yet you'd have to. Um, it's, but, but then yeah. are clubs disincentivizing spending on their own youth academy when they're going to get drafted by another team? Mm. Why would you spend millions of pounds on a crop of youngsters when you're only going to hang on to maybe one of them? That's where I think you should actually get dispens- like dispensation for re- and a benefit for recruiting or for actually fostering your talent and promoting that talent because I don't think it's an incentive to actually foster your talent, talent and develop your talent through FFP and saying, okay, well, I can guess what? I can actually claim all his thing or th- that player's um, sales price, right, as a, uh, as a benefit to me or my balance sheet because we developed him. Well, no, that's not to why you point. did You didn't develop him to sell him. I mean, yes, you may have, right? But primarily, you actually got this person and you developed this player with a view that hopefully one day they would actually be, um, you know, a very good player for your first grade team. But that's also an FFP consideration. Purely because, because of the balance sheet, because uh, like as far as um, ratios are concerned. But what I'm saying to you is, where's the incentive the other way? Like if you actually did a point system, let's do it this mm. way. Instead of money, let's do a point system and say, okay, let's say that you have a team that you field and that field and the team, similar way to what the NPL does actually, where you say, okay, these players are worth, like, sorry, you're 11, starting 11, 200 points, for instance, right? Just for argument's sake. If you've developed a player and and you're playing that player in first grade and you've actually developed them all the way through, that player should only be worth five points as opposed to 25 points, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because the current system... Right, you have the FFP considerations of if you sell off one of your academy products. Look, the obvious example is Conor Gallagher at Chelsea. Yeah, sure. They're trying to get rid of him because it's going to be around fifty million dollars of "quote unquote" pure profit, which yeah, which is not in the strict which terms, is, strict word. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I get your point. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what it's always referred to, which is a bit strange referring to a, a player and a person as pure mm. profit and in terms of those monetary terms. But so there's that side of FFP with youth development, but also. If you bring someone through, uh, which is in my mind how it should be, if you bring someone through, the goal should be to save yourself fifty million Correct. to avoid spending that on someone else's player. Correct. That's the incentive, like, right? At the moment, like what comes to mind is Kobe Minor for me, mm. right? If he continues on this trajectory, him being who he is, has saved Manchester United eighty to one hundred million. Sure, because to buy someone in that position. That's how much it will cost. But wouldn't you rather have be benef- have the benefit of his points in a point system being heavily discounted because of the fact that you've actually brought him into the first grade mm. side from the youth academy rather than actually having acquired someone and saying, okay, that player's worth 20 points? Oh, 100%. Right. And you get the added bonus of having someone who is most likely going to be from the area. Correct. 
and you get extra buy-in from supporters. And to stay on the same example, Cobby Miner was born in Stockport in Greater Manchester. Mm. Like you get that extra buy-in. Marcus Rashford's from Withenshaw, also in Greater Manchester. You get that same sort of feeling from supporters on the pitch that it is one of them that is out there on the field for Manchester United. It's, sure. it's the same. It doesn't matter with Manchester United, any other club. Yeah, but sure. Take it, Lewis Miley at Newcastle. Mm. You want some sort of connection to the area in which the club operates. And pretty much all of that comes from youth development. Indeed. And if that is no longer a consideration, if you don't care about the kids coming through, then what is your tie to the place in which you play football? What's the point? Why would you exist there? Why not just be like an American system where you can move halfway across the country and nothing really changes? So there should be all the, all the incentive there can be to promote that and not sell them off like we do have at the moment with Conor Gallagher. Correct. Correct. Couldn't agree with you more there. I'm glad that you agree as well. Mm. We're too agreeable tonight. Yeah, we are. We are. We're, we are. What but it is our fiftieth episode. But there you go. <laughs> uh, we're too nice. We got the party hats and the streamers going. And correct. <laughs> correct. Did you bring a plate? <laughs> I've got cake. What are you talking about? <laughs> so the, yes. So yeah, you're 100 right. So where should we go to, Nathan? I think we can go to Germany. Because it's all kicking off. Oh, God. It's oh, all no. kicking off. <laughs> oh, no. This guy has to go. I'm sorry. Thomas uh, Tuchel. Tommy Tickles. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Unbelievable. Losing at Bochum after the horror show in Rome and the horror show against Bayer Leverkusen. Three defeats been, in a week. Has not been a good week for Bayern Munich and Tommy Tuchel. No. No, it's not. And Harry Kane. Yeah, and Harry Kane. Even though he broke his mini drought, he's not scored for a little bit. Yeah. By Harry Kane's standards, he was in a drought. That's right. And look, it seems as though... I don't see how he turns this around, Tommy Tickle. He can't. He can't. I don't see it. I don't see it either. It's very I think it's untenable. Especially mm. when he says, I don't think you're as good as what you guys think you are. <laughs> and I have to adapt to that. Jesus. <laughs> you lot of shit, and I need to bring myself down to your level. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's, uh, it's all coming out now in terms of a, the negative relationship he's got with pretty much all the players. Strange turn of events, isn't it? And we saw Joshua Kimmich have a little bit of an altercation with an assistant coach. Yeah, Kimmich hasn't been happy there for a while, I don't think. I think he's off. He might walk where... into the boardroom today or on Monday saying it's me or him. Well, yeah, there's only one winner there. Yeah. At the moment. Mm. Right. Because I don't see two. Oh, well, I thought Tuchel would be out by the end of the season or at the end of the season saying, He's yeah, thanks. Go. It's been great. But I think this last As week, <laughs> well, for him, he's won a Bundesliga. I mean, just. Okay. By accident. But yes. They, they nearly threw it away. Well, they did throw it away. It was Borussia mm. Dortmund that threw it away. Yeah. And a great individual moment from Muziala. Mm. was the reason they won it last year. But Correct. where we sit now with Bayern Munich, I, as we say, I don't see how they can turn it around. Uh, I don't think they can. I think they're out of the Champions League. That means, he's, like, if we're sitting I mean, here talking like that, he's got to go to give him any chance. If, the return league's not for a couple of weeks. If they, Well, that's right. If they don't make it out of that round of 16 game, he's gone. Oh, yes. Unfortunately. I don't like talking in those kind of terms, but that's the reality. Oh, he'll be okay. As far as a dollar, yeah, perspective, that's not an issue. But yes, and he may turn up at Barca, which I don't get. 
<laughs> He's I, looking I, for another paycheck. I don't understand it. <laughs> that that will be a a, a DOA. Mm. It'll be dead on arrival. Indeed. Um, but Indeed. for Bayern Munich, the, it looks like they're uh, trying to seek out some options for the, both the rest of the season and for next. There's been a lot of names being thrown around at the moment in terms of potential replacements because I think we are getting to that point now where something's going to happen in the next week or two. And they're trying to uh, lure Chabby Alonso for next season to get in there ahead of Liverpool, which is typical Bayern Munich. Indeed. As soon as someone raises their head above the... Uh, Gets him. Above the prop. Yep. Gets him here. Yep. <laughs> Actual. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, also, I've seen uh, Hansi Flick mentioned a return. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean... It's more Bayern than Germany. Yeah. Didn't work out too well for him at Bayern in the past. Albeit that was COVID era. That's true, but he did, again, I mean, he did lead them to a couple of titles. Hard not to when you're managing Bayern. (laughs) You and I could do it, and I think we get titles. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Um, But Bayern, we're available. Mm, We are, we are. Uh, I'm I'm awaiting your call. Have your people call our people. Mm, Yes. Were you your people? people? (laughs) 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 Why didn't you tell me? I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can get people. Don't worry. Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, another name, as I've seen, is uh, Oleana Solskjaer. Yeah, which is not going to happen, surely. It'd be remarkable if that happens. That given everything happen. surrounding '99. Yeah, and... sure, but no, that can't happen. Interim Ollie was the best Ollie. Yes, he was. He he was. But you know, he got himself a good job for uh, two and a half years. That's for sure. That he did. That he did. And, and when you had Rio Ferdinand saying, give Ollie the job now, you know, Ollie's at the wheel. <laughs> Rubbing yeah. his hands together. I know. <laughs> I'm Man United, I'm back. Only because they beat Paris Saint-Germain who, you know, everyone in hey. Europe can beat Paris Saint-Germain. It's the best moment this club's had since Fergie left. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I thought the Europa League would have been. Nah. You've nah. got to take silverware. I hold that power Paris not higher than the Europa League win. Wow. Let me mm. tell you this, though. Oh, let me ask you this. Did you see the, speaking of Rio Ferdinand and Jose Mourinho, did you, have you heard the podcast? No, I haven't. Give that a listen. I've seen some headlines come out of it. It's been, it's an incredible podcast, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And they asked, like Rio Ferdinand realised at the time, he thought when Jose said that comment about this is my greatest achievement as far as finishing second with his side and, and getting a Europa League trophy, Rio thought, oh, that can't be right. This is Manchester. This is Manchester United. He sounded like Gary Neville. Right? Can't, can't be saying that shit. But in retrospect, Jose was right. Mm, yeah, he was right. Yeah, that is an incredible feat with that side, yeah. right? That like, was a team of dross. Wow. Yeah. Mm. You think about it, and they were. Yeah, they were. And to get that tune out of them, especially come the end of the season when Ibrahimovic went down injured, he was the only. There was nothing light. doing. He was the only shining <laughs> light, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, so, yes, it is a big achievement. Could they have won the league that year? Maybe, okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not, right? But nonetheless. Hey, I'm best... waiting for the, for the uh, 115s to come down. <laughs> and, uh, maybe he does pick up a league title. <laughs> well, Marino said that. He said, maybe I'll win another league title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yes, yeah, uh, quite, a, quite a good podcast. You can check that one out as well. Mm, yes, I will listen to that. I'll... Um... I'll listen to it tomorrow. Um, there you go. Did you see Jose Mourinho do uh, a little bit of a, an advertisement? For which company? Uh, for Tops. No. 
and the Euro 2024 sticker album, uh, Panini Okay. Rival. I haven't seen it. I do find it pretty good, Okay, pretty funny. cool. Cool. I'll find it for you and link it. Will do. Um, yeah, very good, very good. Just a minute, and uh, yeah, a couple of references in there, and I am Jose Mourinho, as he often does. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. uh, other news, Laz. You mentioned Chelsea, and I had a mind to jump in when we're talking about it, but Mm. Mm. we were on a good thing there regarding ownership and FFP. Yes. But they're going back to the well again. Well, they're going back to Brighton. They are going back to Brighton again For who? for Brighton's head of recruitment. Wow. Okay. It was 18 months ago they went and signed the last head of recruitment they had, and now they've gone back to the well and signed another. And this has just come out now, I assume. Yep. Yeah. Incredible. Ridiculous. In incredible. Uh, you know, Chelsea love, must love Brighton. Yep. Sam Jewell is the one who's heading over to Chelsea and... He's going to take on a, a multi-club ownership role in terms of negotiation for Chelsea and Strasbourg and whoever else they managed to acquire. But, Laz, it is 11 now staff-stroke players that have moved from Brighton to Chelsea in the last 17 months. That's bizarre, isn't it? Mm. Bordering on insane. It is. It is. It really is. It just does not make sense to me. It really doesn't. Like, we're familiar with the phrase, once bitten, twice shy. Mm -hmm. I don't know... what you get up to when it's up to 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. because I've got the list of names here, all 11, right? We've got Graham Potter, Billy Reid, Bjorn Hamburg, Bruno Salto, Ben Roberts, Kyle McCauley, Paul Wynn Stanley, Robert Sanchez, Marco Correa, Moises Caicedo, and now Sam Jewell. A lot of those are administrative or Graham Potter's coaches. Most of those haven't worked out. No, this is true. This is true. But, hey, listen, there's a winning formula there for Chelsea, and they said just go and copy Brighton and just go and get Brighton's players, and that's it. What do you want to talk about, Nathan? What do you got? As I've got a couple things away from Europe of sorts, some Yes. news stories that have come out in the last couple of days. Awesome. Uh, we should mention that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann has been sacked by uh, the South Korean FA. That was one thing I found it. That was one thing that... Um, And I was going to bring up with you, Nathan. Yes, the, Hmm. we, we talked about uh, Jurgen and Uh, the uh, end his of an era. coaching performance. Mm-hmm. Dreadful. And yes, uh, we thought that that might well be the case. And so it has come to pass. Indeed. We can uh, chalk that up as a almost a wasted golden generation for Korea. Maybe they'll have the opportunity in four years' time. Should they have stuck with Paolo Penta? Probably. I think so. Couldn't have done a whole lot worse. But I agree with you. I agree with But you. someone has put their hand up Mm -hmm. and uh, has pleaded their case to become the new South Korea manager. Who? How's the bacon, did you say? Steve Has Bruce. it? No. Surely not. No. Can't be. No. No, no, He no. wants a job. Okay. Well, great. <laughs> Okay. Well, I want the job too. good luck, South Korea. Yes, I want the job too, right? Good luck. No, not Steve Bruce. Don't do that to yourselves. God, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, You're talking about a different girl there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's correct. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Uh, can't happen. Definitely not. Not Steve Bruce. It cannot be possible. And it, well, all things are possible, but hopefully that doesn't happen for South Korea. Mm. Mm. But yes, uh, I was going to say, Liverpool, Yeah. first time ever that their starting 11 came from 11 different nationalities. Hmm. Yeah. 
I did say that. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, not bad. Mm. I mean, three of them were British. Yes, I think Robertson, so. Robertson, Connor Bradley. Correct. Uh, Curtis Jones, English. Mm. Yeah, correct. They were different. Yes, correct. Is Harvey Elliott Welsh or is he English? I think he's English. I think he's English. He didn't start, though. He didn't start. Mm. I think he's English. And then you got Kelleher, who's Irish in goal. So, yes, still very British-centric, of course, but Mm. 11 different nationalities. The global game, huh? Indeed, indeed. Very much so. And a German on the sideline that wasn't in the lineup. Correct, correct. Um, Asia. Go on. Something that just came out today from the PFA here in Australia, actually. Ah, yes. Ah, you know about this. I have. What do you think about it? We should See, I, didn't have work, I didn't have work today, so I was able to be across ah, it when it came out today. There you go. <laughs> so this is where, where we should what we should mention is PFA, uh, primarily via FIFPRO, have released a study analysing the costs of running the Asian Champions League, and the results were cactus. Bad. <laughs> cactus, Nathan. Yes. <laughs> One of a better term. It is a financial burden to play in Asia. Yeah. And this study was just on the Champions League. I would like to see a repeat study done for the AFC Cup because the numbers ain't, would be even worse. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> ain't that the truth? Um, yeah, again, I think regionalizing it might be the way to go. Yeah, even more so. <clears throat> but even then, it's still so expensive. Look, the way to go is just to increase the prize money. Sure. Right. Make it an incentive to compete in Asia. The same way clubs in Europe talk about the Champions League. Mm. How fourth is just some mythical trophy that it might as well be, and it does so much good for the clubs. Why is it not the same thing in Asia? Because the prize money is not there. Mm. I think and, mm. the CEO of the Mariners came out at the start of the season and talks about the AFC Cup, and I might be misquoting, apologies if I am, but I think the line was that unless they make the final, they're losing money, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I think if A-League clubs had the opportunity to forfeit Asian participation, they'd probably consider it. Right now, possibly, yeah. Yeah, because can the clubs afford it? It seems like they're it's tied a burden. to the strings and it's a burden. making it happen for the final competition, which is great. But at the end of the day, money talks, and this is on the AFC. It is indeed. It is indeed. We just have to wait and see what happens. It's definitely stay tuned because there are going to be connotations with this. The PFA are going to let this go. Hopefully. Hopefully. So. Yeah, there is some reform off the back of this. Indeed, and, indeed. Like we talk a lot about FIFA and UEFA on this pod, and we don't talk as much about the AFC as an organisation, as a confederation. Yeah, they need to do a hell of a lot more work with their clubs. A I think hell you're right. of a lot more. I think you're right because you look around the continent, you look around the confederation. Sure, Japan clubs are doing all right. Korean clubs are doing pretty good. You head across to West Asia, Saudi League clubs are doing great, along with some of the Qatari Star League clubs and a couple other domestic leagues in West Asia, but mm. pretty much everywhere else, the clubs are really struggling. Like Even you look at China now, yeah, the clubs are really struggling. Are and indeed. you look at Southeast Asia, and down to this part of the world, all the clubs are losing money. They are indeed. Yep, they are indeed, Nathan. We'll just have to watch this space, I guess. I guess. Pretty much. I guess indeed. What are you looking forward to for the rest of the week and this weekend, Nathan? Well, Laz, I'm looking forward to the return of the MLS this weekend. Yes, Good shout. Starts on Thursday afternoon. Did you, see, did you see Will Ferrell? Go on, I haven't. The LAFC kit launch. I've seen the kit. The kit looks nice. kit looks great. But, uh, yeah, Will Ferrell, being a part owner of the mm-hmm. franchise, uh, features in the kit launch. 
Okay, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah. Did, did you see that um, new MLS arrival Luis Suarez was talking this week? Mm. And we're going to quickly deflect off MLS for the, for the moment, but uh, he said that uh, he was on the verge of joining Real Madrid back ahead of the 2014 World Cup, and that Madrid were going to sell Benzema to Arsenal right. to get Suarez in, but then Luis decided to go and sign for Barcelona instead. Well, thank goodness that that happened instead of him coming to Real Madrid. <laughs> How the football world would be different, huh? Indeed, indeed. Benzema at Arsenal. Mm. I mean, I can see like it. Like a glove. Yeah, mm. I can see it. But Benzema was, if not better for Real Madrid, if not better. Mm, indeed, indeed. So I'm looking off, looking forward to obviously the uh, Matildas. Yep. I think that'll be very interesting to see what happens. But... Um, Inter Milan and Atletico Madrid will find out the result tomorrow, and the uh, you know so you'll know the result before we um, drop the episode. But the Diego Simeone derby is one that will be mm-hmm. very interesting. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I think Inter are a heavyweight in this competition this year. I think so too. You know, they made the final last season. I think they're better. And look, I'm looking around for clubs that can stop City essentially. Mm-hmm. And you look at. What we've seen so far in this round, you look at Bayern Munich, can they lay a glove on City? No, they can't. Can PSG? No, they can't. Can Barcelona? Mm. Maybe. 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 That's a stretch. Can Napoli? No. So I'm looking at Arsenal and I'm looking at Inter as uh, the only hopes for uh, someone looking for other, someone other than City to win the Champions League this season. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Mm. So really looking forward to the game in the morning. Mm. Should be mm. good. Should be fun. I'm expecting to be low scoring. Yes. Yeah. But there should. I mean, there's some fun football coming up. Like Napoli Barcelona. That tie is. Oh yeah. Fantastic, right? So no, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the AFC Asian or the uh, AFC Cup zone or final, Nathan. That I am as well. Thursday night, seven o'clock, down at Campbelltown Sports Arena. The uh, wonderful AFC Cup reaches the next leg, and here we are. MacArthur against Central Coast. They are four wins away from the trophy. Mm-hmm. So this is effectively a round of 16 team game, round of 16 game, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Yep. There's not 16 teams left in this competition, but, you know. Correct. Uh, the winner of this game, it's just the one leg, goes and plays uh, Odisha from India in the next round from the uh, Indian Super League. Mm. If they get past that, then they play the winner of a tie between a team from Kyrgyzstan and a team from Chinese Taipei or Taiwan. Yep. And then you're in the final against the West Asian team. I think whoever does come out on Thursday night with the uh, with the win, be it in 90 minutes, be it in penalties, whatever. Yep. They have to be favourites to get to the final, surely. Yep. No, that's fair enough. Especially when the games in between are two legs, home and away. Agreed. Agreed. So this Thursday night, I may get effectively the semi-final of the uh, AFC Cup at least. Completely understandable. I'm on the balls. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Probably the most important game in the club's history. Oh, I would say so. It would have to be, right? Mm. Have to be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Laz, I'm also looking forward to Perth against Wellington on Saturday night. We mentioned it earlier. Yeah, I think that's the only game of the round, actually. Yep. We have uh, someone called it on the uh, on the broadcast on the Ailey's last weekend uh, a little blue. <laughs> Sydney FC, Melbourne one. City. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, but that should I be like all right. That. I like that. Uh, 
Bayern Leipzig is on. Yes, yes. Uh, Arsenal, Newcastle. That's a good one. Mm, on this weekend, which will be a interesting one. And likewise, Bayern, Munich and Leipzig. Yeah, and we also have the uh, Carabao Cup final. Chelsea, Liverpool is on this weekend. Yeah. Not that anyone particularly cares about that. No. And uh, for mine, the best games in MLS this weekend are Columbus against Atlanta and uh, yep. LAFC against Seattle Sounders. Yep. Okay. On Sunday morning. Yep. That sounds all right to me. Real Madrid are playing Sevilla. 7 p.m. back at the Bernabeu. Yes, that's right. So that's uh, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Indeed, indeed. Well, you got a helping hand in the toll race this weekend, Les, from uh, my boys from the Basque Country. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Because you couldn't get the job done against Fiacano. Oh, you can only do so much, Nathan. <laughs> you can only do so much. Have we hit the back peg? Yes, we've hit the back peg. Thank you for everything you bring to the pod. Thank you, listener. Enjoy the football this weekend. We'll speak to you next week. Go the Matildas. You too, Nathan. Take care, all. Enjoy the football. Do, 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 do.